Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. After all the hype and expectations surrounding the possibility of a pair of dramatic conference finals series, both could be headed for a sweep. What has happened to the once mighty Celtics? And is it time to rethink things in LA? Also, the Dallas Stars are searching for answers. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. After blowing game two, it would have been easy to assume that the Boston Celtics were going to come out in game three in Miami with their hair on fire. Well, something was on fire, but it wasn't the Boston Celtics hair It was the Miami Heat shooters in a 128-102 drubbing of Boston by the eighth-seeded Miami Heat, a team that nearly did not make the playoffs at all. They are now one game away from the NBA Finals. From Miami, John Corrales from Locked On Celtics joins me now. And, and John, after the game, Joe Mazzula took responsibility, um, seemed to admit that he had lost the locker room, how much of this is on the coach, who, of course, has to say it's on me? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he said the right things. Uh, I, I don't think it's all on him, for sure. Uh, the players are the ones who play. The players went out there and absolutely sucked. And so did Joe Missoula not have them ready? Sure, there's probably some of that. But if you're in the Eastern Conference Finals and you sit there and you say, well, the coach didn't have us ready, then you don't belong here and you should be swept. Uh, This is on the players more than anything because they're professionals. They've been here before. This is the team that went to the finals last year and is supposed to know what it takes. And they didn't play and they haven't played in this series like they know what it takes. They've played in this series like this is sometime in January and they're playing the eighth-seeded Heat and they're kind of just, eh, you know, just going along with it. So I, I don't know why. I don't know why, but that's what they're doing. There is a really curious something going on with Jason Tatum in the fourth quarter. In the Eastern Conference Finals, not only does he have no points, he only has three total field goal attempts in the fourth quarter of the Eastern Conference Finals. This is after one of the great Game 7 clutch performances we've ever seen after pulling a, a victory out of the jaws of defeating game six against Philadelphia. What is going on with Jason Tatum right now, John? Well, I mean, he didn't play in the fourth quarter here because of the blowout. Right. So that, that absolves him of at least one. <laughs> uh, I think the Celtics and part of their plan with Tatum is you draw two, you draw the double team, you accept the double team and you give it up. And the rest of the guys play four on three for, you know, two seconds. And that should be enough to find an advantage, make a play, get a bucket. And that that's fine in theory, except you're willingly taking Jason Tatum out of the play. And if the rest, the rest of the guys don't make a play, then what, right? The Miami heat defense has been amazing. They are swarming. They're playing 
more uh, connected than Boston. They're playing harder than Boston. Every time Boston makes a pass, by the time the ball gets to where it's going, somebody's up in that guy's face. And the Celtics have not been able to match that level of effort, that level of speed and intensity. So uh, I, I do think that the Celtics need to do something else in fourth quarters to get Tatum going. Uh, but first and foremost, I think they need to be in the game enough to have Tatum playing in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that, that would it would be one thing if they were up 20 um, as well. Okay, okay, he's not playing. Well, okay, maybe maybe play in the first three quarters a little harder so you can be in the game, right? To can't be fully yeah. absolved because yeah. you're getting your your butt kicked. You mentioned the no, defensive intensity. Horrible. This was this was a Celtics team last year that made a run in the second half under Ime Udoka precisely because their defensive intensity was absolutely on another level. That was not the case really all season. But there were times when you could see it. We haven't seen it really in this series. Where has the defense gone in Boston? That's an excellent question. Uh, I, the, Joe Mazzulla is an offense first coach. And Joe has put every egg that he has. And we know how expensive eggs are nowadays. So it's <laughs> especially uh, terrible strategy in the making three-pointers basket. This is an algorithm-based society, and Joe percent from three relying on that algorithm, the mathematics to add up. The Celtics need to hit three-pointers. They live and die by the three. They are the epitome of that saying. Stay up to date all year on the Boston Celtics by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Celtics on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Lakers have imploded. Before we get to that, though, the PGA Championship now belongs to a non-PGA Tour player. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will win the NBA title. Or you can check out this FanDuel exclusive bet for Nuggets Lakers. Game 4, FanDuel has the odds of both teams scoring within the first minute at plus 134. You can only find that bet on FanDuel, so don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Live golfer Brooks Kapka won the PGA Championship on Sunday. He had three straight birdies in the first four holes to open up a four-shot lead over Norway's Victor Hovland and Canada's Corey Connors. Then... He held on when Hovland and American Scotty Scheffler, two of the best players in the world, made their moves on the back nine. Kepka carded a three under 67 in the final round, finishing nine under for the tournament to win the Watermaker Trophy for the third time, beating Scheffler and Hovland by two strokes each. Not to be outdone. PGA Club Pro, not PGA Tour player, PGA Club Pro Michael Block drained one of the most awesome hole-in-one shots you will ever see on the par 315th at Oak Hill on Sunday. Of the shot, Block said, 
To do this on that hole, on this stage, was a lifelong dream. It can never get better. That's it. I can retire. Good night. Well, he can't retire because he's been invited to play next week on the PGA Tour and next year in the PGA Championship. On the diamond, the Philadelphia Phillies didn't need much scoring to close out their weekend series with the Cubs on a winning note. The Philadelphia Phillies win again. They take two out of three from the Chicago Cubs. A low-scoring affair today. Connor Thomas, your host of Locked On Phillies. Tywon Walker, a really, really good bounce-back start for him. I know he didn't go like too deep in the game, but a shutout start by him is something that's that was desperately needed for the Philadelphia Phillies and the way they've got starting pitching, especially from him. So that was huge. Bryson Stott hits a big late home run, and that was all the Phillies would need. I know Kimbrell gave up a bomb in the ninth, but he gets his 399th career save, and the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, listen, the offense wasn't there today, but the defense was, the pitching was, the bullpen was solid, and uh, they got what they needed. Wins are uh, important at this point with how they've been slumping, so it doesn't matter how you get them. just matters that you got one more in the W column. And now you get to see Arizona for a couple. So uh, we'll talk about that on the next episode of Locked on Phillies. San Diego Padres scored some runs against the Boston Red Sox and got the win on Sunday. But don't let that fool you about this team. Well, at least it isn't a sweep. What's going on, everybody? Javier Reyes here the Locked on Padres podcast. The Padres salvaged another uh, pretty dreadful series against the Red Sox, winning this one 7 to nothing behind Renato Dorr, of all people, having a big game. Uh, driving out a whole bunch of runs and including a bases loaded double with a 3-2 count. So that was very cool since we're used to the Padres not scoring runners in scoring position. We got some home runs from Tatis and Soto as well. But for the most part, I mean, this is the first time these seven runs, the first time the Padres have scored more than four runs since May 9th against the Twins, uh, I believe it was. And then before that, it was May 3rd, I think, against Cincinnati Reds. So look. Yeah, it's nice to get a win, but still the same sort of problems here with runs in scoring position. Love the start from Michael Waka. That's been great. The pitching is not the problem. The problem is the consistency with this Padres offense just has not been there. And especially against a team like the Red Sox, who can hit really well, um, but they don't really have a whole lot of pitching. So congratulations on hitting Corey Kluber. You know what I mean? But it doesn't mean anything for the Padres offense going forward. And you can't do much better in your home debut with your new team than Brianna Stewart did for the New York Liberty on Sunday. Hello, it is Jackie Powell here recording and reporting live from Barclays Center where I have just witnessed a performance from the ages from one and only Brianna Stewart. She scored 45 points, had 12 rebounds, three assists and no turnovers. And I believe 26 minutes of play, she becomes the Liberty's all-time scorer in an individual game. 45 points, passing Kathy Pondexter. Their next game is this Saturday against the Sun. Here is another story you need to know. Every time the Nuggets and the Lakers play, we come out of it hearing about how the Lakers found something at the end, how they should be encouraged by what's going on, and then they lose again, which is exactly what happened on Saturday as the Lakers go down 3-0 to the Nuggets, a 119-108 loss. At the Crypt, Andy Kamenetsky from Locked On Lakers joins me now. And and Andy, this is uh, a Lakers team that has has been close. They've been on the precipice and unable to, to get over that proverbial hump. What is stopping them from getting there? Well, I mean, you, you mentioned the, the narrative, however much people think it's accurate or not, of the Lakers discovering something after every game. I, I think what we've discovered after game three 
is that Denver's better than the Lakers. Mm. Um, you know, they're not so much better than the Lakers necessarily, or, or certainly if the Lakers are playing at the top of their game, that the Lakers can't play with them on a quarter by quarter, half by half, maybe, maybe even a game by game basis. But Denver's margin for error is way bigger than the Lakers. And that is in large part because there are more players from Denver playing at a high level than Lakers. And whether that's just because Denver's been, you know, the better team since the beginning and they've, you know, been the number one seed almost wire to wire this season, or just the Lakers are having issues at the wrong time, uh, the everything they had to do just to get themselves into the play-in, much less the playoffs, all you know, essentially playing like a playoff atmosphere for a couple months has finally caught up to them. Whatever it is, they just are not able to play at a consistently high level the way Denver is right now, and Denver's able to capitalize. The Lakers do have the profile of a team that we have seen be competitive and, and make runs in the postseason, headlined by two super-duper star players, and then role players who can come alive at any given moment. On Saturday, we saw Austin Reeves with 23 Seven and five, uh, and, and we saw the Lonnie Walker game. This is this is not something that has been new to the Lakers. What we haven't seen is LeBron James quite look like himself really in a long time. I know 23, 7, and 12 would be like an all-world game for most players, but LeBron James does not look like LeBron James. We know the foot is bothering him. Is it is it too simplified to say, like, if LeBron were LeBron, this would all look a lot different? Um, depends on what version of LeBron you're talking about, because, you know, the age and attrition for LeBron has been an issue the last few years. And, yeah. and we know this because injury used to never be a thing for LeBron. He used to be treated as a cyborg and he's no longer that guy, just like anybody at his age, season 20, these type of mile, miles on the odometer, you know, you're not supposed to be playing at even the level LeBron is at right now, right. but you know, you mentioned the the line, and you're correct. In terms of production, that's good, except LeBron's really, really laboring to make those numbers yeah. happen. And in order for the Lakers to, you know, reach the finals, to 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 win a championship, you need your stars to be able to take things to a higher level on a regular basis. You know, we've seen Nikola Jokic do this. We've seen Jamal Murray do this. We've certainly seen Jimmy Butler do this with Miami Heat. Like, that's that's ultimately what leads teams to championships. And I would not even say LeBron's been consistently the second-best player on the Lakers. I, I think he's behind Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves. And that's a problem just, A, in terms of the the structure of this roster and you know, the 40-ish million dollars that LeBron, fine with him making that salary. But, you know, there are there are other players who theoretically could be taking up that salary space. But also, too, they, the Lakers, the things that are expected from LeBron in a playoff run include LeBron taking things to the next level, like we've seen him do throughout his incredible career. Sure. And he's certainly not in this series. He's not been able to do that um, in a way that the Lakers need from him, which puts that much more pressure on Anthony Davis, which puts that much more pressure on 
Austin Reeves or Rui Hachimura, who also has been quite good throughout the playoffs, but you don't want to be in a position where Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura are expected to carry you. Stay up to date all year on the LA Lakers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Lakers on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, what can the Dallas Stars do to get back in their series with the Vegas Golden Knights? Playoff hockey. Those are two great words, but how about overtime? Playoff hockey. Three great words, right? The Dallas Stars are a little tired of those three words after dropping their second straight OT game in the Western Conference Finals to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Locked on host Dane Lewis looks at what they can do to climb back in this series. And the team in general, uh, just hurting themselves. And it's an awful time to, to be doing so. I mean, it's Ryan Suter at the end of regulation, but then the team just terrible and sloppy and not thoughtful line changes in overtime. I mean, you're watching the Vegas Golden Knights approach the offensive zone on a rush and you're counting, you know, four or five Vegas Golden Knights players and only two or three Dallas Stars players that don't really seem to know where they are, what they're doing, who needs to be defended. And it puts them in a scramble. It puts Jake Ottinger in a scramble. That's a situation at the end of the game that he should not have had to be in. He should have had a little bit more sound defensive coverage in that situation. But again, the Dallas Stars played careless and sloppy and put their goalie in a bad situation. And now they've put themselves in an awful situation here in this series down 0-2. And you, these are mistakes that maybe you could have gotten away with in round one against Minnesota or maybe even at times round two against Seattle. But the Vegas Golden Knights are an infinitely better team than both of those teams. And they are far too good to play this poorly in late stages of these close games. I mean, they're, they're going to have the guys to take advantage and score goals when teams like the Stars make inexcusable turnovers or bad line changes. I mean, you you can't. You have to play near-perfect hockey if you're going to be a team that is so, as sound and as deep as the Vegas Golden Knights. And so it's just the, the lack of attention to detail that really killed the Stars here in the third period and in overtime. You hear fans and players say things like, I'd rather get blown out. I'd rather lose by 30 in the NBA or the NFL. I'd rather lose by five goals in hockey or soccer than lose in such heartbreaking fashion. I don't know. Right now, the Stars are really testing the limits of that theory right now because they're so close. They're so close. It's, it's gut-wrenching. And, and by the way, there is no more gut-wrenching anything in sports than not just hockey, but overtime. Hockey in the postseason. It is edge-of-your-seat craziness. I would much rather be in the fight all the way. I think. I'm not, I'm not sure at all. And finally, Seth Towns, the former Ivy League Player of the Year who has missed four of the past five seasons with injury, announced Friday that he will attend Howard for his, are you ready for this? Eighth season of college basketball. Towns, who will be 26 at the start of next college basketball season, hasn't played since 2020-2021. He could have up to two years of eligibility at Howard, depending on how many years he qualifies for a medical redshirt. He has played only three total seasons at Harvard 
and Ohio State, and one was 2020-2021, which the NCAA considers to be a coronavirus-impacted campaign. As Stetson Bennett showed us recently, just because you've been in college that long doesn't mean you get to be a doctor at the end, though that would also be the perfect coda to this story, that he turns out he's a doctor at the end. That'd be great. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, just how good have the Nuggets been in the Western Conference Finals? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.